Howdy and welcome to the Confidence Through Health podcast. I'm Jerry Snyder. As an elite level athlete, owner of All In Health and Wellness, and author of the book Confidence Through Health, my goal is to help you achieve your goals and dreams using health as the conduit to get there. I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, brightensmile.com. That's B-R-Y-T-N, smile.com. Their mission is to provide premium oral care products with leading technology to help you live your most confident life by providing a professional whitening experience in the comfort of your own home. Everyone can have that bright smile people love. Brightensmile.com. If you go there and enter all in health as your code at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. So brightensmile.com is our sponsor for this episode. Howdy and welcome to episode 162 of the Confidence Through Health podcast with my guest, Rick Olderman. He is a sports and orthopedic physical therapist. He has a book out called Solving the Pain Puzzle. And we talk about pain. We talk about pain management. We talk about solving pain and why that's more important than pain management. We talk about the systems of the body and how they relate to the pain that you're feeling in the different parts of your body, which is a huge factor in living a healthy lifestyle, living an active lifestyle, and getting your body to do what you want and need it to do pain-free. And so we talk a lot about how the body interacts in the different ways that the muscles and bone structure uh, are, are made and interact and how everybody's a little different and how a good physical therapist is going to find those pieces that are different and be able to work with that person to help them, but also ways that you can take care of it yourself. He has a, a, a book series called Fixing You Method, where he allows you to fix yourself through the techniques in the books. Um, and so we talk a lot about pain, how to relieve it, and how to move on with your life. And I think everybody's going to get something out of this episode because we all deal with pain in a physical way at some point, probably on a yearly basis, whether it's chronic pain or acute pain, we all deal with it. And uh, I deal with it. And we talk about some of my stories and some of the things that I've had to go through. And he gives me advice on how to help myself and become a better athlete myself, but also how to do it without having pain. So uh, I think it's a great episode, and I think you're going to learn a lot out of it. And uh, rickolderman.com is where you can find him and get more information. So thank you, Rick, for being a guest on the Confidence Through Health podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Jerry. So you have uh, 25 years plus experience as a physical therapist dealing with helping with people with pain management and things like that. But tell us a little bit about why you got into physical therapy and, and why that's a passion for you. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I never describe what I do as pain management because that just means that we're just kind of just going to ease this so you can go right. on and tolerate your pain. Right. I'm all about solving pain. So uh, that's a big difference between pain management and what right. I what I like to do. Cool. Uh, and I got into physical therapy. You know, uh, I, I've always been interested in medicine mm -hmm. and fitness, and it just seemed like a beautiful blend for me. Right. And I had back pain prior to going through my physical therapy school program. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm kind of finally see what these insider secrets are. <laughs> and there weren't any, you know, right. there were no insider secrets that I learned in school that I hadn't already, you know, someone had, hadn't tried to tell me already. Yeah. And so, uh, then when I, my first job after PT school, uh, I was a miserable failure as a physical therapist when it came to helping people with chronic or nagging injuries. 
And it, it was as if all the things in school that I learned did not apply to this subset of patients. Okay. And so my next 25 years was figuring out why right. and solving that problem. Right. And so that's what kind of led me because I was sunk into a deep depression. I almost felt like quitting PT, you know, yeah. uh, you know, here I was, I spent all this time and money thinking, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. And right. here I am a failure. It's nothing as harder than that. So, but then I moved to Denver and worked, went to work at a elite health club down here. I was their first physical therapist they had ever had on staff. Mm-hmm. And my schedule was instantly filled with tons of people with chronic and nagging pain injuries. Right. And these were all like 20s to 70-year-olds, well-to-do, had health right. insurance, had been around the block. I'm just like, that's when I realized, oh my gosh, it's not just me who's failing. Mm-hmm. It's like all of medicine is failing chronic pain and nagging right. injuries. Right. So that that really set me on the path to start figuring this out. And so you hit on one thing that that like it's there's no age limit. There's no a like, you know, it's it's not like the the what we, we typically think of is like, okay, well, you hit 40 and all of a sudden you're going to, your body start fall apart and, you know, um, you start having back pain at 50 and all of a sudden like that's there for the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, you said you, you yourself was before PT school. So, I mean, that was obviously yeah. young in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in my twenties. Yeah. yeah. And it's not always, sometimes it's, sometimes it's obviously like an injury related, like you go out and you doing a sport or something and you tweak yourself in it. But a lot of times it's, it's just from the life that we live, right? Like sedentary, the different things that we just, we don't do enough of that lead us to then our bodies degenerating in a way. It's more about how we're using our body. So, yeah. and this was the, the thing that I believed prior to PT school was my back pain had something to do with what I was doing right. with my body, right? right? But that's not how we're trained in school. We're trained, and I, I call this kind of component thinking. Mm-hmm. So in school, we're taught a thousand different tests trying right. to identify a thousand different tissues, right? Tears, you know, whatever. And so, or we have x-rays and MRIs and all that. So we have thousands of tests to identify the exact tissue that's damaged. Right. And then we're trained how to treat that damaged tissue. Right. But there are zero tests that identify why the tissue was damaged. Oh yeah. And that's what was missing. And yeah. and this and this is why I call it component thinking, which does well for acute issues, right? But it does not really apply to chronic pain issues. Right. And the fact that chronic pain is so prevalent from head to toe yeah. in our in, in the world right. proves that this is correct. We're missing yeah. something. Yeah. And I it, think I figured that out from a musculoskeletal standpoint. And I agree with you. It's not just it because it's not just like okay, well, the people that have desk jobs have. Like they may have a specific chronic pain, but it's it's across the gamut of of all of us that we all, if we don't do the right things to take care of ourselves and set us up for success physically, then we wind up with some sort of chronic pain because our body is not prepared for whatever we do. Yeah. And, and you know, Jerry, it's it's not only, you know, it's not only that we have to exercise or stretch or do whatever, it's even things as simple as walking. How right. you're walking is causing your pain. And we right. can talk about that in relation to cr- to back and sciatic pain today, if you want, or or whatever. But, you know, it's not even how exercising or not exercising. It's right. just bending over correctly. It's right. walking correctly. You know, yeah. it's these kinds of things. Yeah. So it's how, your posture strategy. How do you create good posture in your body? 
Right. Most people are doing it wrong, which is causing and contributing to chronic pain. So, right. uh, you know, even outside of all of that, you know, because I, you know, you hear, I, I know there's probably people out there and just like, oh, he's going to tell me to start exercising. <laughs> right. And I'm just kind of, no, no. What if you don't even exercise at all and just start using your body better? And right. that will eliminate tremendous amounts of pain yeah. right off the bat. Well, and, and you hit something that like it, what I do when I coach athletes, um, I coach a lot of, of running athletes, but athletes for all sports. And But for all of them, the first thing I do is, and I tell the parents this, I'm like, the first time we do a workout, you're expecting they're going to go and they're going to get, you know, like there's this professional trainer, he's going to like put them through the work and they're going to come out and they're going to be just exhausted and dripping sweat and all this stuff. And I was like, they probably won't breathe hard at all. And the parents are like, okay, what, what, what am I paying you this much money for, for this first session? If that I said, I have to teach them how to walk because if they're going to run properly, like they have to walk properly first because they have to use their joints, right? They have to use their muscles, right? in the proper form and push off and all of those things. And so, and sometimes that might take some kids that like I've, I've had kids that it took five or six hour long sessions to get it to where it's like, okay, now we can start running. Like yeah. we've, we've fixed some of those issues that were just, nobody ever taught you how to walk properly. They taught you how to walk, right? Cause we all learn how to walk and, but like, is your foot pushing off correctly? You're using your toes properly. You're using your knees properly, your hips, all those things. And so I think that's a, that's a huge piece of like, also what causes people pain is they think they hear, I have to start exercising for this, that, or the other reason health wise, but they don't start slow enough. And so they wind up with injuries because their body's not like ready for it. Yeah. Or they're not starting where they need to start. Right. And you know, you, you speak of training your, your kids how to walk. I mean, just wait till you get hold of 80 year olds who are told right. that they haven't been walking their whole life correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had but some older you ones, know what? That, not that yeah, old, they, but I've had some older ones and it's, and they just look at me like, are you serious? I've been doing this wrong for like 45, 50 years. I'm like, mm, yeah. And pain, you know, this is one of the questions that often comes up is, you know, where does is, where is the pain signal matter in all of this? Well, pain is a signal that something is wrong now. Right. And it becomes a great motivator. So, oh, if I can show you that your walking pattern is both the cause and cure of your pain, you right. better believe that motivation is there immediately. And that's oh, what yeah. we do. Yeah. No, and that's one of the things that when, I, when I'm teaching them, and like I always ask them, you know, after I start running again, after they've walked and done all that, and then we start running and they're like, oh my gosh, that was so much easier. Like, okay, yeah. that, see, that proves the point. And it, yeah. and it, they don't, they rarely go backwards, right? They right. rarely like feel the way it feels good and then go back to like, oh, but I like to do it the old way. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah. Um. So like it, in regards to people that have issues, like knowing where to start, right? Like that's a big, that's a big piece of the puzzle. Like, do I just go start walking, you know, five miles a day or like, it, what's the, what's the like determining factor of like where we should start? Yeah. So uh, over the years I've, I've created basic, I've broken the body down into two systems. Mm -hmm. And one is the, if, if you have any kind of upper body issue, right. Then we, uh, we look at your pelvis all the way up to your head. Right. And if you have any kind of back or lower body issue, we look at your rib cage down to your feet. Okay. And so, 
the while that sounds like oh my gosh that just must take forever to analyze all of that stuff no <laughs> right because once you understand how the body works as a system you can see how one problem in one area you understand the ripple effects in the other areas as well right and so really it it makes looking at pain much simpler mm-hmm. because you see the ramifications of each of the problem areas right and so uh that's how we determine so basically we 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 figure out, you know, where's your pain, right? right? And then, and then we go through our exam, which takes maybe twenty minutes. Okay. And then, uh, and then we prioritize those problems. And the nice thing is, so I, I owned a clinic here in Denver, a sports and orthopedic clinic here in Denver for about ten years. And what owning that clinic showed me was that these problems are happening in patterns in people. Okay. And so the pattern of problems I see that's causing maybe your central back pain mm-hmm. is causing sciatic pain in another person or SI joint pain in a third person or right. hip pain in a fourth person. So that also simplifies everything. It's like that helps it make it easier to know exactly where you should be starting when right. you see that. So once you identify the pattern of issues and we can talk about what those patterns are, there are two primary ones that contribute to most back and sciatic issues. Mm-hmm. So once you identify what that pattern is, solving it is so easy to do and fast. Well, fast is I'm sure what everybody wants, right? Like, oh yeah. Everybody, then, everybody uh, wants it. Like how quickly can this be fixed? Yeah. So my standard is basically I expect between 30 and 50% pain reduction after my first session. Wow. If after my third session, you're not 50 to 75% better, mm-hmm. then I think I'm, I must have to look at some other issue in your system that I haven't been addressing yet. Right. But normally it's, it's very rapid because like we mentioned just a second ago, pain is an indication that something is wrong now. Right. If you fix that now, pain will go away now. And I rely heavily on that to guide my treatment as a physical therapist. Right. It doesn't, it shouldn't take 10 sessions to know right. whether you're on the right track. It should take yeah. one or two. Yeah. And so is that is that slow reduction? Is that just because of the built-up inflammation that's been in the area? And it's like, or is it, what's that? Like, why isn't it just a, and I know sometimes it's just not going to be, but why isn't it for a lot of people just like, oh, you fixed it. I'm 100% better. Yeah, because, well, there are redundant systems in our body, mm-hmm. right? There's more than one muscle that flexes the hip. Right. Right. There's more than one muscle that helps us stand. Yeah. So you may fix one, but then you've got to go on to the secondary or the tertiary right. as well sometimes. Right. So that's usually where the problem is, is that, yeah. oh, okay, we fixed that big problem. So you're not better. So there must be some other issue that I haven't addressed yet. Oh, right. well, it could be your ankle range of motion because we identified that in our exam. So let's start working on that now. Right. And right. that's why. But really, it, it really shouldn't. I mean, it just doesn't take long. I, I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I mean, after one or two sessions, right. I expect at least fifty percent. And right. that, these are now doing Zoom sessions, right? Oh, so wow. I'm just like, you know, I don't even need to touch somebody. If right. I just show you the exercises to do and, and tell you what the problems are, so you yeah. get it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm seeing really rapid relief. And it's, That's awesome. and it's because we're addressing the body as a system. Right. And most people aren't used to hearing that kind of thing because yeah. they've been addressed as components. Right. And that's why they're not getting better faster. Right. Yeah. Cause it's more than just 
if if you if you tweak your shoulder it and if you don't fix that like in the, in the first like five seconds or so then the rest of the body is going to compensate right no it's the other way around oh it is so the shoulder since you brought it up the shoulder is the center of function for the upper body system right all right it roughly rests on the rib cage right so if the rib cage is not in the correct position it sets the shoulder up to fail okay what would bring the rib cage in the incorrect position position well usually something in that same leg some problem down here creates a pattern and this is one of the two major patterns we can right. get into it right now a problem in one of the legs creates a pattern in your body called a side bending problem gotcha yep. where one side of the pelvis is higher and the same right. side of rib cage is lower right all right so now you've got the side bending problem because of some older issue here now that sets up the shoulder to fail gotcha right so then that is instead of the shoulder feeding the rest of the body the, the, rest of the, body the is, shoulder yeah. is responding to the rest of the body gotcha. yeah and you know there are rules about how the shoulder blade should be resting and moving so sometimes it is a shoulder blade problem and sometimes it's due to some other problem here right but we can quickly figure those kinds of things out yeah and and you're absolutely right in general as you if you get a shoulder injury here it will eventually it'll gradually blossom away right. from that injury right right it'll affect things more down the arm or up into the neck and so forth right. so you're absolutely right. right about that but that that response is different than what the cause is gotcha. the cause isn't necessarily here it's why is it here and that's right. what the rest of the system is figuring out right and so is that is is in what you've seen with patients is that as you're as you're talking to them is it like okay well my pain is here and then you start looking at the patterns and they they you know like say well yeah you know i, I sprained my ankle three months ago or you know something that that we might not think is like that big of a deal um mm -hmm. in our daily life and it's like ah you know especially for us that have been athletes before and it's like you know ah you know walk it off right like just mm -hmm. like okay I'll, I'll be all right in a couple of days yeah but that since that doesn't heal properly because we didn't go in and see someone to get it evaluated and like then Trust. that that is actually the cause of something that then later happens three months down the road you are exactly describing a case that i had just last week oh yeah <laughs> this guy is seeing me for chronic achilles tendinosis yeah and plantar fasciitis in his right foot hey have you had any old injuries nope no injuries now this guy is a real athlete yeah and uh he's older and I said, I'm, you've played all of these sports and done all, made all of these achievements and you've never had an injury. Nope. I said, well, your body's telling me otherwise. Right. And so I said, you know, so we traced it down. And back when he was in high school, he had broken his left ankle. Okay. And it was pain-free. And, you know, soon after that. So right. he never thought twice about it. Right. Right. Well, Five years later, he started developing plantar fasciitis in his right foot. And that would come and go every five to 10 years for the yep. next 30, 40 years. Right. And now it's Achilles tendinosis. Right. His Achilles tendon is about to tear. Ugh. Why is all of this happening? And I could find absolutely nothing wrong with his right leg. Yeah. We found out that his left leg was 40% weaker than his right. Right. And he had played all these sports through all of his youth and, yeah. and age, and he was not aware of this. Yeah. Because the brain is so good at compensating for these things. Oh, yeah. It hides them from you because your goal as an athlete is to get from A to B. Yep. And your brain figures it out how it's going to make help you do that. Yep. Unbeknownst to you.
Right. No, that's and that's with this guy. Like that's actually something that I I dealt with some knee pain. Um, you know, the people that listen, they know that I'm a runner, and I've I've gone all over the country doing races at the, the masters level, and uh, you know, I made I knew I knew this was a mistake. I knew the mistake was like because I ran a I flew to Atlanta from Texas, ran a race, and from a time crunch, I was by myself. My wife was like, "You need to get home." Like, so the race was in the morning. I flew home that night. Of course, there was a two-hour delay. I wound up sitting in the airport forever, sitting on the plane forever. And, you know, I get home and all of a sudden I got knee pain. And I'm like, why do I have knee pain? And then I go back to it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sitting there and my hamstrings were just getting so tight. You know, yeah. and and so I'm like trying to alleviate the hamstring pain. Well, then I, my glute gets messed into the picture. And it's like, and so, you know, I I, I was like, okay, but I'm, you know, I'm a runner. I know there's pain. I'll work it out. Couple months go by. I'm like, call my PT, and I'm like, all right, I got to come in. Like, I can't get this done on my own. Like, I got something wrong. And they're like, oh, your glutes just tied up in knots, which is pulling on everything and pulling on the knee. That's why you got the knee pain below your knee. And I was like, well, that makes sense. And I said, and that was prop. That was all because of that flight home from Atlanta that I didn't stay the extra night and like go through a proper cool down and you know all those things. Um, but sometimes we make those decisions because it's just like, and we don't, we don't even think twice about it. And, and sometimes it's not even athletes, right? It's just like you, you have a project that's do at work. And so not only are you sitting at, at, at work all day long, but you get home and you go straight to your computer desk and you sit at home for four hours, hunched over, usually eventually hunched over the computer. And then you want, you worry about, or you, you, you wonder why you've got back pain you know, three days later or six days later, because you didn't do the things that you knew you should do. Cause we all know we need to move around. Yeah. But not all movement is the same. Right. Right. Think right. about those people who are walking incorrectly. Right. That is then causing their pain. Mm -hmm. And then they go to somebody and they say, you need to walk more. Right. Well, that's only enhancing the problem, not solving yeah. it. Right. Right. Or they're walking more to solve another problem like weight loss or yeah. cardiac status or something like that. Right. Not knowing that there's a wrong way to walk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, not all movement is built the same. Right. Or the people that like because I, I have a lot of people that I'm like, because what I did, I, I was in the corporate world for a long time before I got back into being an athlete um, about eight years ago. And I had gained weight and I knew I was like, if I start running now, it's going to be horrible. And I knew I was like, I can, I can bike, I can swim. But if I start putting all this extra weight that I've gained, that pressure on my knees, I'm going to, I'm going to have major problems and I don't want that. And yeah. so I dropped down, I dropped 30 pounds first before I started running. And then I was like, okay, now I can handle this. Cause I knew. Like if I, if I start that activity, which I love running, if I start that activity back up too soon though, it's going to be detrimental to me. Yeah. And, and just so you know, I mean, we, we already talked about this pattern of a pelvis rising higher and yep. the ribcage sitting lower called a side bending problem. It's what I call it. Uh, in 80 to 90% of the cases, it's due to a same side problem right. that hasn't been addressed correctly. But in 10 to 20% of the cases, it's due to an opposite side problem. Okay. And what I typically find is that m athletes tend to skew towards that opposite side problem. Okay. It That's becomes this compensatory behavior right. for some other thing that, and so they keep addressing and treating this side, 
right? Yeah. Unknowing that this is the fear. Right. And I always think that's really fascinating when that's I, interesting. so I, I keep that in the back of my mind. Anytime I'm treating a, an athlete, I'm just like, okay, possible compensation pattern. Let's right. see what we find, you know? Right. right. <laughs> um, so is that, do you, do you find that's, that's because of the athletes typically are just like, just, just push through driven. And then yeah. it's, it, they you know, ignore, as, they ignore signals. Right. Get from A to B. Right. That's um, why. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's, that's partially why also my leg did what it did because I blew my knee out on the other side, um, oh. six years ago, almost seven years ago now, uh, PCL tear. And, um, I haven't had it repaired because I can still run, you know, in a straight line without a problem. Um, I don't do anything where I'm zigzagging or potentially going to be falling on the ground without my brace on, but, but I know that that's also a piece of the puzzle as to why that leg decided the hamstring needed to be a problem for sure. Both of them or the other one. Yeah. You know? Think, think redundant systems. Yeah. Right. And this is the other thing that comes up is a lot of people will get into an accident, a car accident, or they'll fall or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. And then that's the beginning of their chronic pain. And no one seems to be able to solve it after this accident right. that they've had. Right. Well, what that's really telling you is that your body wasn't perfect prior to that accident. Yeah. So it was only pain-free. Right. And because we have so many redundant systems in our body, we can have all sorts of breakdowns and still right. be pain-free and function athletically. Right. The pain is not the indicator, is not the litmus test as to yeah. whether your body is working correctly or not. Right. You know? Yeah. So. And yeah, that's sort of like it's, it's, and it doesn't happen all the way, you know, everywhere in the body, but pain is, is one of those things that it's like, it, if, if you start having pain, it it's an indicator that it's been there a long time usually yes right? yeah and so yep. it's like once you reach the pain level like it's not just okay let me see how long i can live with the pain it's oh i need to get this done now it's already too late right <laughs> <laughs> right now now something's starting to squeak and you better start paying attention yeah right um so in like you've got you've got several books that you've got um, that you've, that you've put out as well for people. Um, and you mentioned that you can, you, you're helping people with zoom. And so like for people that are, is, is there a place that like, if I have pain in this specific part of my body, I need to look at this method or does it like, just, just pick it up and, and move through it because it's going to help everybody. Yeah. Well, so the books you're referring to are my initial books called the Fixing You series. And each of those addresses a different area of the body. For instance, a hip and knee pain book, a back and sciatic pain book, a neck and head pain book, and so forth. But since then, and I wrote all of those prior to, and those are designed to help people solve their pain. Right. So uh, I wrote those, however, before I owned my clinic and realized that these things were happening in patterns. Right. And so if you look at any of my books, you'll see I've got a thousand different things that you could do to solve all of these problems, right? Right, right. But now that I see that it's really a pattern of issues, now it's down to like seven, seven things to solve this issue because they're all the key points that are hitting. If we solve these, we're going to solve that pain in most cases. So, and each of those programs, I, I also have broken down into different body parts, back, hip, knee, foot, and neck pain and headaches and shoulder issues. Okay. So, um, so yes, they're all very specific to that. And then, so over the years, uh, in those initial books, 
I have these client connection stories where I devote a paragraph or two and I say, hey, Debbie had this problem and this is how, you know, we, we use this principle to solve her problem. Right. And over the years, I've gotten so many emails about people in my books that uh, I decided to write this recent book, the Solving the Pain Puzzle book that right. I, I just published. These are, these are case studies. So these focus on the people instead of the biomechanics and anatomy and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. Right. So for those, because I, I learned that there are a lot of people who have no interest in knowing what a muscle, which muscle is or bone right. or anything. Right. Mechan- it just makes their eyes glass over. So yeah. this is a really a great way to, for people to see what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a system solution and how I solved problems head to toe using system solutions that no one else could solve. Right. And so it's a, it's, I think it's a nicer, gentler introduction to the idea. And right. also, I hope people leave the book feeling hopeful that they can solve their pain. Right. Well, and I think that's that's also if you if you go to a good physical therapist, you know, they're they're not just going to treat the pain, they're going to help you solve the pain, but they're going to also give you the tools so that the pain doesn't come back, right? And that's like that's what I love about the therapist that I see is that like it they're anybody in the clinic, they're always they're they're handing out here's here's the exercises you need to do at home, make sure you're doing these, but they're always there for me. And, and, and other people too, but they're always there for me when I'm like, okay, it's, it's creeping back or it's, that's gone, but now this is creeped up, right? Because we fixed the main problem, but we didn't fix the other problem. Um, and that's when somebody's going to a therapist, that's one of the things they should look for, right? Yes. But, but what if we fixed how you were using your body? So you didn't have to do all those exercises at home. Right. That'd be that's nice. the point. Yeah. And that's what I think is missing in therapy and other, not just physical therapy, but other health modalities too, Right, is that it's it's too small of a picture. Here are the exercises to fix sciatic pain, and it's usually dealing with the piriformis or something like that, right? But have you ever gotten a home program that's dealing with your whole system and how it's affecting your sciatic pain? And most people will say no. And that's what I think is missing. And that's why you have to go in then for a different injury. Right. But really, it's the same injury manifesting in a different part of in your body place. Yeah. 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 So that that's the beauty of systems approaches is once you understand how all of this fits together and it's so simple, mm-hmm. uh, you can, you know, it's like repairing your car by driving your car. You right. know, the right. more I use my car correctly, it's going to stay great. Right. And that's the way that the human body is designed. Right. That makes sense. Um, well, and one of the things that, that, that I have to do because of, my my knee injury, but also I had uh, uh, I've had my my lung has collapsed twice spontaneous pneumothorax, and so by having a chest tube put in through the same ribs both times, like, and it was a little over two years apart, like my rib will slide out of place fairly frequently, and so I, you can sort of see it in the corner there. There's a one of those pull up bars in the, oh, yeah. in the back on one of the, um, and so I hang from that like every day. Uh-huh. For like, you know, I don't know, anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes, just depending on where I feel like the tension is in my body. And, and it, I can feel the release of everything when I do that. Yeah. Um, and do and you I'm mind if I check, the, can I check your yeah. body to see if you have a side bending problem? Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's just show let's, people let's what it. I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. So why don't you stand up okay. and turn your back to the camera 
and make it so that the camera can see your your like butt up to your shoulders. Let's see how far away I can get. How's that? Okay. Now, oh, you got a belt on. Wow. Yeah, you hardly see anyone wearing a belt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So if you can pull your shirt up to like above your belly button so I can see your right. waist. All right. A little bit higher. The back is set. The back part of your shirt is sagging down. Okay. So it looks to me like the left side of your pelvis is higher. I lost you. I lost you. For All right. Second, my headphones. Oh, okay. Good? It looks to me like the left side of your pelvis is higher than your right. Okay. And typically the side that the pelvis is higher on is the side where the rib cage is lower. Gotcha. Over here. Yeah. Okay. So do you, do you have any left? Oh, you mentioned that PCL on your left. Yeah. Okay. Is that also happened to be where your rib cage over here. puncture was? Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, you know, it's hard to tell because a, a belt will hold a, will hold right. the pants in an, a different position. But even if we look at the belt from left to right, yeah. the left side of the belt rests higher on your hips than yeah. your right side slightly. Yeah. And now that you're standing more normally, I see a, a strain uh, pattern in the left uh, part of your spine. So I'm going to guess that you have a left side bending problem. Okay. But it's not nearly as dramatic as most people. A lot of people, for those of you watching, what you can... If you stay with your back turned there, yeah. Jerry, what you'll see, folks, uh, if you have a side bending problem, Jerry does not, not have this. Uh, so it's not as severe as most people's. But you'll see a larger crease on one side of the waist than the other. Okay? And so that's an indication that you've got a side bending problem on the side of the crease. Now, Jerry's cord is blocking the strain pattern that I'm seeing. And, yeah, if he just moves that, there we, there we go. And now just stand there. Now you can see that you can see that he has a tendency towards a left crease in his waist. And so that is what I'm looking at there. Okay. Great, Jerry. Cool. That's all. So I just want to show people how easy that is to, right. to spot. And then, so if you have a left side bending problem, like I mentioned before, and usually a, a side bending problem is what causes unilateral back pain, right. sciatic pain, SI joint pain, things that happen on one side of the body. Okay. All right. And so, and I mean, it only makes sense that if you're walking around with something like this, you're getting sure. increased nerve root compression on this side of your spine. Right. Right. Now, the mistake that a lot of practitioners make is that, oh, your pelvis is higher on this side than the other side. You've got a leg length discrepancy. Right. Absol absolutely not. Right. Uh, it's a compensation pattern for a problem. Right. And so your brain is tapping into a, a, an old reflex pattern that we're all born with called a withdrawal reflex to get off of the problem. Right. All right. And so uh, I have a chapter about this in my book. Uh, a woman brought in her, uh, her child and she brought in an, a full x-ray from pelvis to foot yeah. to prove that her child had, an, had a leg length discrepancy. Yeah. I said, well, it certainly looks like it, but already I could see competent rotations mm -hmm. happening at the joints. I'm saying, I don't believe that, you know, so we fixed it right there. Right. And the child was instantly had improved balance strength in that leg because we solved all of those compensation patterns. Right. right. And it's so easy to do. Yeah. So um, that's the side bending pattern. So that's the one of the ones that's one of the two biggies that's causing most back and sciatic pain. The other one is an extension pattern, which right. means that uh, the back is either too extended or arched right. or 
there are too many forces trying to pull it into an arch. And so the, the test for this is if you lie on your back with your legs straight, yeah. feel how your low back feels there. Right. Does it feel better when your knees are bent? Right. 99% of the people will say it does. Mm-hmm. That means that you have an extension problem because okay. by bending your knees, you're flattening your spine. Right. So the solution isn't to walk around trying to flatten your spine all the time because then it's going to look like you're just walking around needing to poop, right? Right, right. So what you got to do is solve the things that are pulling the spine into that right. arch. Yep. And that's and walking and standing habits are one of those things. Yeah. And then there are muscular compensations like certain muscles get tighter, other muscle, muscles get weaker that right. then also from more biomechanically cause that pattern to occur. So there's a right. behavioral thing. There are behavioral things that you're doing. And then there are functional responses to those behavioral things that then cause your pain. Right. No, that makes sense. Uh, and one of the things that you, when I was in high school, um, I ran cross country and I, I remember the the race, I stepped in a hole, you know, and so my hips jolted because, you know, you're obviously landing, you know, three or four inches below where you had been landing. Um, mm-hmm. And my SI That's joint painful. slipped. It was painful. My SI joint yeah. slipped and major pain in my back. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And went to a physical therapist and, you know, they were addressing the pain and trying to, you know, but they couldn't figure out what the cause other than like I told them and they were like, but it's, it's all lined up properly now. So, um, but, and the, but they couldn't, you know, they couldn't figure it out, but we we're treating it. And so I was able to still run. And then he, I remember it was about a week later that, you know, I met him at, 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 at instead of his clinic, I met him at the hospital for treatment. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, there's this, there's this, you know, big wig PT from Sweden that's in town for a conference. And I'm going to try and steal him away from the conference and have him look at you because we got to get this fixed. And I'll never forget. He came in the room. We, you know, he had a debriefing of what was going on. He told me to stand up. So I stood up. He goes, bend over. I bent over. And he goes, one leg's longer than the other. And he walked out of the room. And I was like, okay. So the solution was to put a lift in one shoe, put a lift in that shoe. Every pain went away. I was able to run. And it wasn't until probably about five years ago when I went to a chiropractor and was like going through that scenario. And they were like, your legs are the same length. Mm-hmm. They fixed my hips and everything. And they were like, yeah, like what? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like almost 30 years that I've been doing like, yeah. this routine thinking that one leg's longer than the other when yeah. no, it was just, there was enough trauma in there that jolted everything in the compensation of trying to avoid the pain, you know, as opposed to, I probably would have gone away and been fine had I stopped running for two or three weeks, but given the point of the season I was in, I couldn't do that. Well, you bring up a really good point. I mean, it, it, it your story shows that even if you give an incomplete answer mm-hmm. and one that maybe is ultimately incorrect, right? That right. It can still solve pain. Right. Because the heel lift was balancing what your practitioner couldn't balance. Right. So it solved that pain problem. Right. It didn't solve the reason that the imbalance was there. Right. But all you cared about as an athlete yeah. was let me run without pain. Exactly. Right. Yep. And it allowed you to do that. 
And so this is another feature of one of my home programs is I have these unique taping techniques in them, which support the body and get the body to do what it's designed to do, kind of like your heel lift, right? To temporarily support it until you fix the system. And then you wean yourself off the tape. Right. Not everyone needs the taping techniques, but some people in deeper holes, Mm -hmm. they can't get their body to do the right thing. So we get the tape to do the right thing for them until they can get their body to do the right thing. And that's kind of what your heel lift story is kind of telling us. Yeah. And so is that why when we see athletes that have got KT tape all over them, like they're because they're, they're not, they're not injured enough to not compete, but they're just, they're dealing with just enough of a, of an injury or a, a, the, the muscles not doing exactly what it's supposed to do. So it's like this tape to support it while they can go do their job. And then after, you know, their event, they can take the time to recover. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of KT tape for my approach, right? KT tape is great for guiding movement. Okay. Right. And taking a little bit of strain off of something. Right. 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 But what I'm talking about is let's say you have a, a flat foot. And we've determined that your flat foot is the cause of your sciatic pain on that side. Right. Well, we have to fix all that whole sciatic, that whole side bending pattern. Right. I'm not, but I'm not going to ask you in addition to those things to fix that pattern to also start trying to fix your foot. Let's just tape your foot. Right. And see how much of a, of the, a player the foot is in your pain. Right. And if your pain is significantly changed, that tells us that the foot is the major player there and right. we need to address that. Right. But if it's, if your pain isn't addressed by taping the foot, then we know that the other issues further up the chain are likely the bigger players. Yeah. And so the tape that I use is something called cover roll stretch and leukotape P okay. because it is designed to hold the body. It is the strongest tape I've ever encountered. And it will, I mean, we have up to five times our body weight passing through our foot with each foot strike. Right. That tape can hold up that five times the body weight and wow. it'll stay on all week long. Oh, nice. And do that. So it is super strong tape. And so when I'm changing big things, mm-hmm. that's the tape I use. Right. Now, KT tape, I'll use maybe for little things like, right. oh, we need to just unload something a little bit. Right. But what I'm talking about are making pri- major biomechanical changes to the body that yeah. your brain can't do. And right. that's what a stronger tape is necessary. Nice. And so that's in, in a way it's, it's like what I do with the the athletes that I, when I'm teaching them to walk, one of the things is a lot of times their feet are just not pointing in the right direction. And so they don't get the right push off in the right direction. And, and so teaching them to bring them back around. And one of the things I tell them is that we're just trying to wake those muscles up, those supportive muscles that maybe they, they haven't been working their, their part of the load. And so the bigger, stronger muscles are pulling your foot into the wrong direction, whether it's pigeon toed or, or too far out. And is that basically sort of the same thing as like, is the foot's not doing. And so if the foot's not the, the, the major problem, if it's farther up the chain, but we need to tape the foot to give it support because it, it's not doing its job. Well, there's several reasons why it can't be doing its job, but are you aware of something called for more retroversion or antiversion? No, I haven't heard of that. Okay, so this is something that will help your athletes quite a bit and help okay. you determine what kind of correction you need to make in that foot strike right. pattern. Right. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through it because you're not set up for me to demonstrate it. Right. With you, all right? right. 
but folks, this is, this is a huge, especially if you there are athletes listening and you're like runner or you use your legs a lot for your at, for your sport, cyclists, right. things like that. Yeah. This is a critical concept that a lot of people don't know, even therapists. So uh, for more retroversion, so all of our, our thigh bones are not all built the same. Right. Some thigh bones are twisted outward mm-hmm. and some thigh bones are twisted inward. Yeah. When your thigh bone is twisted outward, that's called femoral retroversion. Right. When the thigh bone is twisted inward, it's called femoral antiversion. Men typically develop femoral retroversion. Females typically develop femoral antiversion. Okay. All right. So the easy way to test this is you have someone lie down on their stomach like this. You right. ask them to bend both of their knees. Right. And then you ask them, I'm going to try and do this standing here. <laughs> Then you, they're bending both of their knees and then you let their, say, let your feet fall to the outside. Okay. So if their feet can fall just a little bit to the outside, then that means that they don't have a lot of internal rotation at the hip joint. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. If their feet go way to the outside, they've got a lot of internal rotation at the hip joint, which then points to an idea that maybe they have antiverted femurs. Right. Right. So then we confirm this by you say, you see how far they, and you don't let them push their feet to the outside. It's just wherever they go naturally. Right. So then they straighten one leg and then they say, okay, now drop your foot to the back towards the back of the other leg. So if their foot goes just a little bit out this way, but a whole bunch this way, right. It tells you that they have more external rotation available than internal rotation. And therefore, without measuring the actual femur, they have retroversion. Right. But if they go a a big way out here and very little inside, then they have femoral antiversion. Okay. All right. Now, there are some people who have a lot of motion in both directions, and those are hypermobile people that you have to be very careful with. Right. Because their ligaments are too lax. Right. So what what does this mean in terms of foot placement? Well, so... If you have femoral retroversion, which means that the thigh bone is twisted outward, yep. then your foot should be pointed out slightly right. to accommodate the shape of your thigh bone. If you point your foot inward when you have a retroverted femur, mm-hmm. a couple things will happen. First of all, that's excessive internal rotation for the hip joint and knee right. and ankle right? because it's built to be need more external rotation. Okay. So by pointing the foot to forward, then you're taking up all of the available internal rotation. All right. Okay. Now, if you ask someone to do that and they have retroverted femurs, they'll notice that they're using a lot of, there's developing a lot of tension in, in their legs to right. do this. Right. Well, that tension is on top of the internal rotation. It's going to create a lot of injuries. Right. Right. So these people need to point their feet out. Okay. And oftentimes they're, we're socialized to believe that, oh, all feet should be pointed straight ahead. Mm-hmm. And so they've been walking around like this for years because that's right. what they've been told to do. And right. they don't understand why they're constantly getting injuries up and down their legs. It's okay. usually because of a lack of an understanding of femoral retroversion versus antiversion. Right. So this will usually relax the muscles in the legs yeah. and allow them to function better. And it turns on the gluteal, the all important gluteal mm-hmm. muscles better because right. they are external rotators. Now, right. if you have femoral antiversion, and then these people, you don't, they're going to tend to be more knock-kneed, right? Right. right. You'll see their knees rotating in excessively. 
Yep. So these people, you want to maybe point their feet out maybe a degree or two, but not a ton, mm-hmm. right? Because you want to try and unwind that a little bit right. just from a pure biomechanical standpoint. Right. However, the primary controller of an antiverted femur would be the butt muscles. Right. So people with antiverted femurs need stronger butt muscles than most people. So it at least decelerates that internal rotation that's occurring through the lower body. Right. Right. So in these people, taping the foot is one of the ways that you can, taping that arch up is one of the ways that you can externally rotate and, and decelerate that internal rotation that they're thigh bone is built to have right right and therefore control injuries right does that, that make sense? sense that totally makes sense and all right i mean that's because one of the things that i do when i i have them walk just it's just a normal like but then i have them do a high knee right we're still walking but we're bringing the knee all the way up as if we're running um and and that's one of the things i look for is like what are their knees doing are their knees coming way in and is that more the issue telling me, okay, the issues in the hip and the, like bringing you up and that's, what's throwing you off versus the foot placement. Um, I didn't know it was called that, but that's, that's what I, yeah, I sort of look for that and and then tell them, okay, well, you have to, like you said, engage those muscles in your butt to pull that around and be very conscious of like where you place your foot. Because if you, if, especially if you're running on cross country and where the ground is all uneven and you happen to place your foot, you overlap, well, your knees coming way over then, you know, if you overlap your feet for whatever reason, you you got to know your knees coming way over and it's going to throw your whole body into a twist and momentum wise. Um, and so I give them strategies to, to avoid that, you know, because that's obviously slowing them down, you know, when they have that happen. Well, this test is a may, perhaps more precise test. Yeah. So definitely. maybe doing both. Yeah. You, yours is like a functional test. Right. And this is more of a biomechanical test. Right. So maybe putting both of those together yeah. would give you a very clear picture of how much antiversion or retroversion they actually have. Right. Yeah. And they give me a really good idea of what I need to do from a strength standpoint. Exactly. Help them build up to where they can handle whatever their load is that yeah. they're, they're trying to do for their sport. Guys, because their thigh bones are typically pointed outward anyway, and the feet turn outward, mm-hmm. it biases the butt muscles to turn on. Right. So they're they're recruiting those butt muscles more already just by virtue of the shape of their thigh bone. Yeah. Right. So uh, they probably won't need as much butt work. Right. As a female who has antiverted femurs whose thighs aren't naturally rotating to the outside, but right. instead naturally rotate to the inside and internal rotation turns off the butt muscles. Right. So they are biased towards lack of butt muscle. And this is why I believe that there are a higher incidence of like ACL, PCL, and these types of injuries to female athletes than males is because of femoral antiversion and retroversion. Right. right. So the other thing that happens with femoral retroversion, if you can imagine, if you have an externally rotated thigh bone yeah. and you're told to point your foot forward, what's going to happen is the force of the thigh bone trying to rotate out is then going to lift the arch of the foot. Right. And you'll present as artificially a supinated foot mm-hmm. right well yeah. a supinated foot is a more rigid foot yeah and so now you get more foot and ankle issues because your right. foot is in supination yeah and the real problem is just that you're not pointing your foot in the right direction it should be right. pointed out which yeah. then allows the foot to relax and collapse down a little bit and lo and behold supination goes away 
Yeah. And all of your foot ailments too. Right. And this is kind of how looking at the body as a system works. One small change, pointing the feet out, gets rid of pain all the way up and down the chain. Right. If you know the shape. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't. um, And 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 that goes to like all all different types of, of, you know, healthcare, whether nutrition and and everything else is like, okay, well, if I take this pill to get rid of this pain, then, you know, okay, the pain's gone, but you didn't, you didn't fix the cause, right? You didn't go to the root issue. And that's sort of the same thing. Like, well, you know, and sort of like with me with, you know, I put the lift in the shoe, the pain goes away, but that didn't, that didn't fix anything, you know, right. Right. It didn't fix anything. And then as soon as I take this, take it out of the shoe and go for, you know, which I did, I took it out and like would go from months and all of a sudden that pain would creep back up and creep back up. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I got to, I got to put it back in. Um, So, yeah, I I talked to a lot of people who are, you know, they talk down on doctors and surgeons because, oh, they're just trying to give me pain meds mm -hmm. to hide my pain and, and, or operate on something. And it's not, so the way it works in in healthcare is you have a complaint, you go to your doctor and your doctor sees that it's a musculoskeletal issue. They send you to someone like me to solve that. Right. When you fail me and or chiropractor massage therapist acupuncturist and so forth your doctor is left with no other way because you're still going back and saying i still have the pain right well then let me give you that pain med right i mean we've tried everything else nothing is working so yeah. now it's pain med or let's go talk to a surgeon and see if we need to surgically repair so right. they're assuming that because you have failed conservative care already that then you you know, you are unfixable right? and must either require surgery or pain med or cortisone shots or whatever that is. Right. Right. What they are unaware of is that all of those practitioners are looking at that patient through this component thinking lens, which yeah. is our training. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's only if they failed everything that's available to them, what other recourse do they have? Yeah. So I have yet to meet a doctor who's just like, oh, I can't wait to prescribe pain meds to all of my patients, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Even surgeons are just like, yeah. surgery is the last thing I want to do with these people, right. you know? Right. Let's figure it out instead. Yeah. And only when they fail everything do they then. So there's no conspiracy right. from doctors right. to give you pain meds. It's only because you failed. And I believe it's our fault in conservative care yeah. that that's your only recourse but really what it is, is it's, it's a fault of how we're looking at you. Yeah. Our training, it's our, yeah. our training works well, like I said, for acute issues, not so great for chronic issues. Right. Right. Well, and I think everybody, well, like not everybody, but a lot of people have had the same situation. Like you mentioned, you know, with your car before, um, and it just hit me as like, okay, well, if, if your tires are wearing really thin on the inside, you know, you go get new tires. Well, if it's somebody that's just like, okay, we'll put new tires on the car. Okay, yes. Well, but why are they wearing? Oh, because you need an alignment done. So yeah. you get an alignment done, then you put tires on the car, and now you don't have a problem with your tires anymore. Yeah, um, but but what if your teenage but, driver kept taking right turns too fast? Right. 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 So this this adds now the behavior part of that alignment yep. issue. Yep. To take your your example one step further. Yeah. What if it's the driver's behavior that's causing the alignment issues right. that's causing the, and that's what I've found. That's basically the fixing you method right. approach. 
is yeah. understanding the behaviors, the consequences, and how to fix both. Right. Right. Yeah, because obviously the alignment's happening. The alignment's off for a reason too, right? It doesn't just yeah. your car alignment just doesn't go off because like it's Tuesday and it just decides it's gonna right. be off today. And this is one of the things that drives me crazy about driving with my kids is they don't try to avoid potholes. They yeah. just drive straight through them. I'm just like, guys, you got to stop <laughs> driving through those potholes. No wonder my alignment's off, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it, well, and that's the same thing that we do. Like, as a, you know, as human beings, it's like, why, why do I, why do I keep having this pain or that pain when like, okay, well, when you look back at it, it's like, oh, okay, well, I, I play a pickup game of basketball every Sunday. And I don't do anything the rest of the week, right? And I don't stretch before. I don't do any kind of warm up. I just go out there and shoot hoops for an hour and a half. And then, you know, it's like, well, of course you're going to start having pains. And of course you're going to start having issues creep up because we have to do the right things on a continual basis. It's not just a a one-time thing. So, uh, well, Rick, I really appreciate your time. I know we're getting close to an hour here and it's been great. Um, so how you've got some books, you've, how can people get, you know, follow you, get a hold of you, find your books, all those kinds of things. Yeah. The easiest thing I tell people, just go to rickolderman.com. Okay. And that has all my home programs. It has, you can order my new book. There's a link to Amazon. You can even read chapters from my new book there. Oh, cool. Uh, so uh, I've got a practitioner's training course that I've put up there for practitioners who want to understand the body in this way. Right. And that's for anyone from coaches on up to surgeons. Oh, I nice. believe we everyone needs to, like you said, you said it so perfectly. And just a little while ago, you were in pain, you tried all these things for weeks. And then finally, you're just like, I had to call my PT, right? You know, <laughs> and so we're the last people to get called. You're the first people right. that get called, right? Right. And yep. so it would be better if people like you understood all of this, right. and then you could solve pain, nip it in the bud. Yep. Right. Yep. And make better athletes because right. of it. But anyway, rickolderman.com is where you can find all sorts of free stuff and my home programs and so forth. Awesome. Well, Rick, I greatly appreciate your time. It's been great. <laughs> Me too, Jerry. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for checking out the All in Health and Wellness Confidence Through Health podcast. Our goal is to use health as a conduit to help you reach your goals in life.